Hi, welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We're very glad you're joining us today and we hope this message inspires you, builds your faith and encourages you in the things of God. Enjoy the message. It's... um. It's great to be back here uh, sharing the words uh, on a Wednesday night service with you, Cork Church. And uh, just a special hello to all of our guests, anybody watching online from around the world, uh, wherever you might be today. just want to greet you and say Jesus is alive. He's risen and there is joy in his presence. And, uh, and, and, and I'm, I'm just blessed. I'm a blessed man, I have to say, even before we get into the word tonight, blessed, blessed by the Lord. I'm so thankful for what he's doing in my life personally. And it's so strange because when you look at the externals uh, of, of, of the past 13 months, everything that's gone on in the world, you wouldn't think that way. You wouldn't think, well, this doesn't seem like a blessed time, but it is a blessed time. Let me tell you, God doesn't waste a drop. He doesn't waste a drop. God is using this season. Yes, there's a lockdown. Yes, things are happening. There's more uh, unrest and uncertainty now than ever. But that only serves to unveil the truth of who Jesus is. He's the rock that can't be moved. He's the one. It's his presence. He's the place where we find strength. Uh, he's he's our, our, our shelter, our high place. And I just want to encourage you tonight to look at the rock from where you were cut from, the scriptures talk about. Look at Jesus again. Be refreshed again. Uh, go back to his words. Spend time in his presence. Enjoy God. Enjoy him for who he is. There's grace for you. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what you're experiencing today, but let me tell you, there is great grace for every believer, and it's only a prayer away. Lord Jesus Christ, come touch my life. Jesus, come carry this burden, carry this load. Peter encourages us to cast our burdens onto him because he cares for us. You are cared for, child of God. You're cared for. And so I just want to pray right now and I, and, and I want to encourage you to, to, to just count your blessings again one more time, even at the beginning of this time in God's word. So anyway, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, Lord God, that you've promised, Lord, to perfect your strength in human weakness, Lord. And I'm definitely coming weak tonight, Lord. I'm coming, Lord, and I'm, I'm thanking you. We thank you tonight that there is grace for us, that there is love, Lord Jesus, that we can, we can enjoy, we can be covered in your love and your grace, and we can move forward even though things are uncertain, even though things seem difficult at times, even though we don't have the answers. We have the person who is truth. We have truth. Jesus, you are truth. We are in you. You are in us. And we know, Lord, that in you, every promise of God is yes and amen. So, Lord, I, I just pray that you would help me tonight to bring out your word, to bring out what your heart is, Lord, for the people listening. Listening, Lord, as Pastor Stephen already prayed for bread, I pray that they would get bread, fresh bread, Lord, because your word, uh, the truths in your word are inexhaustible. So I just pray tonight that we would hear from you, Lord, hear from you, not from me, from you. 
anoint me. Please, Lord, I thank you. I'm anointed. Uh, you have blessed each believer, Lord, with your presence. But I'm praying that that presence, that anointing would take over now and that people would hear from you, Lord. We want to hear the gospel, the truth of Jesus, what you, who you are, what you've done. That's what we need. That's what gives life and liberty. I pray that I would be an, I would minister life tonight. That's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Bless the Lord tonight. So listen, last week we were looking in Exodus chapter 33 and we were looking at the idea of encounter that God um, has promised to bring us into a greater sense of rest. So um, uh, without going into the, all the context of that, uh, again, we know that uh, Israel had just had a, a, a massive national failure. Uh, they had, while Moses was up getting the tablets, the commandments of God, uh, up on the mountain of God with Joshua, um, who would follow in his stead after he died, the people were left with Aaron. And instead of waiting patiently, they took the gold uh, uh, that they had, that they'd plundered from Egypt, and they uh, conscripted Aaron to build for them a golden calf. And and they said when the calf came out of the flames, well, actually, no, it's funny. That was their excuse. They said, well, Aaron said, well, I just threw in the gold and this calf kind of fell out of the flames. That was Aaron's uh, excuse when Moses came down. But, but, but the people, they ascribed all the salvation that God had done, everything God had done by bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of the power, from under the power of sin, uh, from uh, uh, under the power of Pharaoh, who's a picture of the power of sin. Um, they, they gave, they ascribed all of that to that calf instead of God. So it was a huge moment of national failure. In a sense, they turned away from God uh, in, uh, in that moment. Yet God says to, um, uh, well, yet God said to Moses, "Listen, Moses, I'm going to still bring you into the land that I promised to give you because I'm faithful, because I'm good, and because I will stand over my word to perform." Form it even in the face of human failure. I'm going to bring them in, but I'm not going to go with them. Instead, I'm going to send an angel and I'm going to follow from afar. So the scriptures say that, that the Israelites heard this and they said this was a disastrous decree, that this was a disaster, that God wouldn't go up from them. And so Moses comes to a point where he's engaging with God and the burden of the failures of the people and the burden of the responsibility of all those people began to push Moses toward an encounter with God. And we spoke last week about the reality that sometimes, you know, when Jesus uh, in, in Matthew 11, he says, come on to me, all ye who uh, labor and, and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And we were talking last week that sometimes that call to rest can look and sound like people and their problems. Right. So we can walk around with the burden of people that we genuinely care about, that we're genuinely invested in, that God has called us to. And we can walk around under the burden of their failures. They're not where I wanted them to be. They're not who I hope they would be at this point in their journey. Maybe you're a parent tonight and you're listening and you're looking at your children and you feel the weight of their lives on you. And yet they're not where you wanted them to be. Their behavior isn't what you wanted it to be at this point. They're not quite what you would hope that they would be. And that burden 
can be almost too much to bear. And so Moses comes to a point with God and he starts to speak to God and he beseeches God. He says, God, I don't want to go into that land. I don't want to leave this place without your presence because I have no strength to carry this anymore. I've no strength to deal with this responsibility. It's too much for me. I need your presence, Lord. How many of us are there? How many of us have been there? Lord, it is almost too much. And I just want to encourage you right now that God is at work even in this place. So you might feel burdened, you might feel that weight of people or whatever it might be. But let me tell you, God uses these burdens and these weights to bring you to a point of encounter with his presence. God wants his people to have a deeper walk with him beyond even head knowledge. Right? Remember Moses said in the passage, he said, listen, Lord, I know that I'm favored by you. I know that you love me. In other words, Lord, I know your word. I know what your word says. I know the promises, but I need to know in a different way. And so Moses says, Lord, teach me your ways. And what does he mean by that? He's literally saying, Lord, I need an encounter with your person. I need an encounter with your character. I need the God of the word to come and confirm the word to me right now. I need a, a shift in my perspective right now because this burden what's going on now is heavier and more real to me than who you say you are in your word so I need you to come I need you to show me your glory and that's literally what he prayed what he asked for in the 18th verse of chapter 33 what I want to do is kind of cover the back ends of what I began last week. So I started talking, there were a lot of P's. I won't even lie, I don't remember them all. Uh, but I remember that there were two left that I didn't really touch on in the way that I wanted to. One is a prayer and one is a position. And I'm going to look at Exodus 33 verses 18 through 23. Uh, and, and God willing, try and explore some of this stuff. Um, uh, but I want to encourage you right now. God wants you to be in his presence. God wants you to know his presence in a deeper way. Because in his presence, there is a deeper work that he will begin to perform in your life. He'll begin to do something in your life on a deeper level. And that call to be unburdened in the presence of Jesus tends to come through the burdens of life. Okay, so the Bible says that they have the potential to choke the good seed. But that's not the will of God for you. His will is that they would bring you to a place where you say, Lord, I'm not going to settle for just pop theology. I'm not just going to settle for, for, for mantras I can put on a t-shirt or a coffee cup. I want to meet with you. And I want to, and like, like Jacob said, I won't let go until you bless me, Lord. I want to be in that place with you and I want you to bless me. And, and, and my encouragement to you today as we begin to read the text is that is exactly what God wants to do. It is exactly what God wants to do. He wants to bring you into rest and unburden you in his presence. So let's begin. Exodus 33 just turned there okay 33 and we're just going to read from verse um, 18 tonight so here we go 
Moses said, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. Verse 21, and the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Lord, thank you for your word tonight, Lord. Praise the Lord. So last week we spoke about the call to encounter and this week I want to talk to you about the glory of the encounter. Remember, the Lord wants you to be a person who knows his presence intimately. Romans 8.15 tells us that we've not received the spirit of slavery, the spirit of fear to fall back into slavery. Rather, we've received the spirit of sonship wherein we cry, Abba, Father. What does that mean? It means that God has adopted us in the gospel. God has given us the spirit of his son. We have the Holy Spirit in us. And when we understand what God has put inside of us, we cry out, Abba. What's that word, Abba? It means daddy, daddy God. Now, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I cringe when I hear people praying and saying daddy. I, I find that tough. I find that tough. And that's just me just being honest. But let me tell you the truth. There is a lot of truth in the sentiment. He's not just a distant father. He's a dad to us. That's amazing. A lot of us are uncomfortable with that level of intimacy, but that's what the scriptures call it. That's what the scriptures say. And so the spirit we've received is a spirit of intimacy with God, but it's also the spirit of prayer as well. We cry, Abba, Father. We cry, we, it's our natural response. And that's the will of God for you, that your natural response when faced with the burdens of life will be to cry, Abba, Father, Daddy God, come. And, and, and he has come, amen. But that manifest sense of his presence. And so right here in verse 19, God says this. And I want to look, like we, we looked at the prayer kind of last week toward the end of the sermon. This idea that Moses, when Moses said, show me your glory, what he was asking, what he was asking the Lord to do was bring the weight of who he is into his situation. And in a way, tip the scales to make it more about the presence of God, like the presence of God would be so real, it would tip the scales. Uh, and uh, we looked in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, Paul says that there is a comparison that we can, we can actually do. We can actually compare what is going on now, our present sufferings with the eternal weight of glory that is to come. And when we do, there's a tipping of the scales. And so we can pray, Lord, let the weight, the reality of who you are. See, glory in the Bible means weight. It means fame. It means renown. And we sang tonight, Lord, do what you're famous for. Lord, come and do what you're famous for. Come and be who your word says you are. Because when you do, and that presence comes into my situation, it upturns. It shifts the weights and all of a sudden what was weighing me down, I can call by faith, light and momentary. It's amazing 
what God will do when we call on his name, the name of Jesus. And so right here in verse 19, there is a promise. There are three promises that the that here God says, I'm going to do three things when my, when I come to you in that manifest way. Okay, so we have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're regenerated at salvation. But God says, no, I'm going to come to you in a special manifest way. Now, remember in Psalm, I believe it's 22 uh, or 23, 22, verse 3, I think. The Lord, the Bible says, is enthroned on the praises of Israel. So in other words, when we praise as the children of God, as God's chosen people. When we praise, God comes and manifests his sovereign reign, manifests his power, and we see his position as enthroned, right? We see that position when we worship. So we need to be a worshiping people. We need to be a people who sing his praises. But here God says three things. He says, I'll cause all my goodness to pass before ye. And then he says, I'll proclaim my name, the Lord in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion. So there's three things the Lord says he's going to do in that place when, 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 when we are encountering his manifest presence. He says, I'm going to come with all of my goodness. Amen. I'm not going to come to you in anger. I'm not going to come to you in judgment. I'm going to come and bring all of my goodness. And that word goodness can also mean beauty. I'm going to come and make myself beautiful. And you're, you're going to see me as I am. Okay, number one. Number two, I will come and I will proclaim my name, the Lord. Now that, word, now that uh, name will come. Uh, get into that uh, in just a second that name the Lord it's Jehovah so there's a, a big long word called tetragrammation uh, which is a Greek word uh, and it basically means the name of God that the Jews used to use and they didn't speak it it was um, I believe it was um, not allowed to speak you couldn't speak the name but they used to write it and it's from that name we get Yahweh so so God says I'm going to come and I'm going to speak my name the Lord Yahweh we're going to see what that means in a second and the last thing is I'm going to come and I'm going to demonstrate my grace to you in other words when he says I'm going to have mercy on whom I have mercy and compassion on whom I have compassion God is saying I'm going to come and I'm going to show you that I've purposed to show you mercy and compassion so these are the three things that God is going to do and what I want to do now is look in the Old Testament at another character who had an encounter with God and I'm going to show you from his encounter these three things so will you turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6 right Right now, uh, for the sake of time, I can't get into context, but go absolutely and research. Look at this chapter yourself. But I want to show you what God does in the presence. When you get that sense, that view of his presence, I'm going to show you what he does here. And remember, the Lord is saying to you, don't worry, I'm going to come in my goodness. I'm going to come speaking my name and I'm going to come demonstrating grace to you. And so look at this here in the call of Isaiah. I'm going to read it really quickly. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting up, uh, upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Now that word train actually means hem. So the hem of his garments filled the temple. So keep that in mind, okay? 
Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one called to another saying, Holy, 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 thrice holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. That's that word again, the the glory of God. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called and and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I'm lost, for I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king. And, and I love this, the Lord of hosts, okay? Then one of the seraphim flew to me having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongues from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. So Isaiah has this experience of the glory of God. God's presence comes to him in a manifest way, in a way that it can come to you or to me if we would simply ask, amen. What a privilege. That's the inheritance of the believer. Access. We have access and all we need to do is ask in the name of Jesus. But look at what happens here. I want to look at verses one to three because this gets me excited here. The Bible says in the year Uzziah died. Now without getting into all the detail on Uzziah, Uzziah is a picture of human strength. He's a king. uh, 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 Some uh, uh, translations call him Amaziah. So Uzziah, Amaziah is the same person. He was a king and he went into the temple and tried to light a fire right in that holy place. It was something the priest should have done, but he took it upon himself to do it. Now he's a picture of human strength. He's a picture of strength. He's a picture of doing it on your own, doing it your own way. He's a picture of of reaching out and trying to establish something off your own back. And how many of us are like that? I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to do it my way. We're great at giving. We're great at giving charity. We're terrible at receiving it. Isn't that an awful thing? But it's true. We're terrible at receiving charity. And so Uzziah comes in that spirit to say, I'm going to light a fire. I'm going to do something in my own strength. And the Bible says that it didn't work out for him. And he ended up living out on his own as a leper for the rest of his days. And so Isaiah says, the, the year Uzziah died, the year strength died, the year, I, the year my strength failed me, the moment my strength gave out and was revealed to be deficient, which is what human strength always is, I saw the Lord. That's the first thing. When my strength goes, that's not my moment of weakness. That, that, excuse me, that's not my moment. That's not the end of the story. It's the beginning. The, the way in is through weakness. The way in is through strength being revealed to be what it is. And so Isaiah says, in that moment, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, enthroned, seated on a throne. What does that mean? It means the work is finished. Isaiah saw a picture. When I stopped trying in my own strength, I saw the Lord and I saw again and I was refreshed again. The work is done. The work is done. God is enthroned above the flood. God is seated. And the Bible says his train or the hem of his garment filled the temple. Amazing. And I want to look at the hem of his garment for a second here because there's something about it. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to get into all the richness of this. But I want to look at the hem of his garment. I want to look at it. You know, 
a woman with an issue of blood, 12 years, once reached out and touched the hem of Jesus' garment and was instantly healed. It's amazing. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to maybe use a little bit of divine conjecture today because I want to talk about the hem of his garment for just a second. In the book of Ruth, Ruth and Boaz, there's a moment in, 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 in Ruth chapter 3, verse 9, where Ruth says to Boaz, Boaz, spread your wings around me. Spread your wings around me for you're a redeemer. And what she's actually saying by wings is, take the corner of your garment, take the end piece of your garment and wrap it around me because you're a redeemer. And so what, what does this mean? What is this saying? Isaiah saw his covering. Isaiah saw he's the Lord who covers me. He's the Lord who covers me. In the day that his strength failed, he saw that he didn't have to cover himself anymore. Last week we heard that, you could, that it's the Lord who carries us. Now we need to know it's the Lord who covers you. I'm your strength. I'm here to cover you. I'm here to to put my arm over you. What does that mean? What does redemption mean? It means that I receive you. It means I cover you. It means I'm your shelter. It means I'm the lover of your soul. It means I paid the bridal price for you. It means that you are covered by the Lord. And we're going to look at what it means to be hidden in the cleft of the rock. But you don't need to be ashamed. You don't need to battle shame anymore or guilt anymore. There's one who loves you and has covered you. There's one who's purchased you with his blood, put his arm around you, said you belong to me by grace alone. By grace alone, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to put my garment around you. The Bible teaches in Ezekiel 16, God says of Jerusalem, his faithless bride, I walked past you. You were bleeding out in a field. No one saw you or cared for you, but I saw you. And when you were ready for love, I put my garment around you. I covered you. I covered you. Amazing. We have a redeemer. He saw his redeemer. He saw the love that God had for him. He saw the, the covering that God would be for him in his life. Isn't it great when someone says, I'll cover it? Isn't it great when someone says, I have it covered? Isn't it great when somebody says, don't worry about it, I'm covering it? Isn't that wonderful when somebody says, don't worry about that insecurity or that fear or that thing that you're afraid of or ashamed of, it's covered? Jesus bore our open shame so that we could be covered. He was uncovered, crucified in nakedness and weakness that we would be covered in his strength. Don't forget, when you look at that cross, there my saviour died and took my shame upon himself. It's like the, the U2 song. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. What, what, what a terrible terrible thing to say to God but that's exactly what Bono says but he says you know you you carried the cross and all my shame you know I believe it and he goes on to say you still haven't found what I'm looking I still haven't found what I'm looking for Christian I hope that's not I hope that's not you tonight I still haven't found what I'm looking for I still don't feel covered So there's another point I'd love to jump into, but for the sake of time, well, do you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to do it. God here 
in this moment when he says, I want you to know my goodness or my beauty. In Isaiah, it's phenomenal. The seraphim, they sing, holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is filled with his glory. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And what are they saying here? What, what, is, what is the point of it? They're saying that God is infinitely good, that God is so good. And God is, rather than us thinking that God is absent in our situation, the whole earth is full of his glory. But, but what, what are they saying by worshipping him for his holiness? Um, uh, for Just for a second here, holiness is the one thing that, that we can worship God for that, that doesn't do anything for us. God's holiness means that he is the most of whatever he is whatever he is so if he's love he's the most loving if he's good he's the most good and so to worship him in the beauty of his holiness is to worship him for who he is not for what he can do for you and what an amazing thing that when God comes and his presence enters our lives like this he purifies our worship and he brings us to a point where we worship him for who he is, where we learn to give thanks not for his hand, but for his face. Bible says in Amos 5.5, 5, God says, seek me and live. And that word to seek and live, it means to worship. And it's uh, the word's darash. And it means to seek the face, not the hand of God. And so often we seek God's, God's hand. We need God to do something for us. We need God to, to make something happen for us. But in that manifest place of his presence, there is a deeper work where God says, no, I'm going to bring your worship to a deeper place because there is life in worship. You can receive life and enjoy life when you worship me for who I am. We're quickly on now. It says here, you'll know the power of my name. And I love this here. The Bible says there was a shaking. Um, Isaiah, there was a shaking. He, the, the, the house trembled uh, at the call. And there is resurrection power in the call of God. Isaiah heard the call of God and he began to shake. And, then, and everything began to shake. And, and here, what happens? He says, woe is me for I'm lost. I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. When that presence comes, we see ourselves for who we are but it's not exposure. Remember, we're covered. So God provides the covering before he allows us to see ourselves. So it's always in the con context of love. It's always that. And, and folks, we need to know the, the voice of condemnation. The enemy comes to expose us outside of the context of God's love. But God only ever comes to show us who we are, not to, not to expose us or condemn us, but it's to give us a greater covering. And so that's what Isaiah is experiencing here. And now look at this. From my eyes of seen the king the Lord of hosts. And I love this. It means the Lord of armies. In other words, Isaiah is saying, when my strength died, I saw the true source of my strength. I saw the God of angel armies. I was doing it on my own, in my own strength, trying to make it happen. And when that failed, I saw that the Lord was my covering and I saw that the Lord was my strength. He's with me. Do you remember Elisha and Gehazi looking at that great army? And Elisha said, there's more with us than with them. Lord, open, their, Lord, open his eyes so he can see. And, and Gehazi turned and looked behind him and all the hosts of heaven, the armies of heaven were flanking him. And it's amazing. Doesn't the psalmist say, I look to the hills 
from where my help comes. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And that sometimes we need to look up and we need to let the Lord show us that he's our strength. And so when God says to Moses, I'm going to proclaim my name, He's literally saying, Moses, I'm coming now and I'm going to show you that I'm your strength. I'm going to speak my name over you and you will know that I'm your strength. And not just that, here in Exodus, he says, I'm the Lord and, and, and that's the covenant name of God. So he's also saying, I'm your strength and I am the God who makes covenants for your sake. I'm the God of the covenants. I'm the God who makes covenant to wash away your sins, to deliver you from the miry pit and set your feet on the rock. I'm the God who covenants to die for you, to live as you, to die for you, so you can have grace in time of need, so you can have boldness. I'm the God who provides the sacrifice. We heard that on Sunday. I'm the God who provides the sacrifice. All you've got to do, Moses, Patrick, Isaiah, all you've got to do is believe. And even, even that is what I'll do. So in his presence, in that encounter, there's freedom from self-reliance. There's freedom because God is with you. The Lord of angel armies is your strength. He's with you as a mighty man of valor. Amazing. Lord, thank God I don't have to do this in my own strength. And finally in Isaiah, he's undone. So there's a self-quake, if you like. There's an earthquake and a self-quake. He's undone. And the Bible says that God orders a coal from the altar to come and touch his lips, to come and touch him. And in other words, what does that mean? What is God saying? He's saying, Isaiah, I will touch you. I will be your righteousness. I will be your, I will be your goodness. You may not feel good. You may feel guilty. You may feel dirty. You may be battling with condemnation, but I am sending an answer. In my presence, there is an answer. In my presence, you can see that I'm the one who sanctifies you. I've given you my holiness. I've given you my righteousness. I've given you, I've given it to you. You don't have to feel feel guilty. You don't have to feel exposed. You don't have to feel like you have to do it in your own strength. And this is the ministry of the Spirit. This is what the Spirit would do. He would take that which is of the Son and make it known to you in the place of weakness, in the place, in that place. We don't have to fear his presence. We don't have to fear his presence. Sometimes it's the last place we want to run to. We go to the phone before we go to the throne. Any way we can. And yet there's this deep work that the Lord wants to do to unburden you and give you his rest and give you his peace. I'm going to skip on here. I'm going to skip on here. We've, we've spent a lot of time on this point. I actually have another one. Uh, I'm going to skip on really quick. Um, how, how are we for time? Okay, okay. Well, I'm going to very quickly talk on this here. Verse 21. Verse 
Verse 21 in Exodus again. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. So God has given us these tremendous promises. This is what I'm going to do. This is my heart towards you in that place of, of, of presence, that place where you close the door at night, where you go to that quiet place and simply call out to me. This is the work that I would do, that intimate work that I would do. But there, there's, there's something else. There's a perspective. There's a position that, that I, I just want to talk about really quickly. And it's the rock. It says here in 21, Jesus says, I'm going to put you on the rock. I'm going to I'm going to put you on a rock close to me so you can see my goodness. You can see my glory. You can see. And I want to make this point. You can only see. God is saying to you, you can only see who I am from the cleft of the rock in Christ, in the gospel. It's only through what I've done that you can see who I am. God wants to bring you to that place again. And, and we know in Psalm 61 verse 2, the psalmist says, Lord, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Bring me to that higher reality that is the rock. Open my eyes to what is true, the reality of the rock and the, the, the higher reality of heaven in my life. I, Lord, thank you. I'm standing on the rock. He isn't just close to me. I'm close to him. I'm hidden in Christ, seated in heavenly places, hidden in the cleft of the rock, covered by his hands. And this is the key to encounter folks, knowing not just what he has made you, but where he's placed you. I'm loved. I'm chosen. I'm secure. And this is the climate of faith that God would inspire in you to bring you to encounter. And I want to look very quickly at the Rock of Ages. And, and uh, in the book of Daniel, uh, it's going to be very quick. In the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 2 has a dream of a statue. And the statue is made of different metals uh, going from the head of gold. And they represent the different kingdoms, ages and the world. Right the way from the head of gold, that's uh, Babylon. Right the way down to the 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 feet, they're a mixture of clay and iron uh, that some say are, are maybe the remnant of the Roman Empire. But the Bible says at that point, once that full vision was in place, a rock not hewn out by human hands, a rock not cut out by any human hand appears and begins to roll down and gathers momentum and speed and destroys the statue and then grows to fill the whole earth, grows to fill the whole earth. And I, I, I want you to think now for a second, it is the weight of the kingdom of God, okay? It's a picture of the gospel of Jesus, of his kingdom. It starts small. No man had a hand in it. The power of the gospel in your life, it starts small. No man had a hand in it. God found you. He filled you. And now he's going to bring his work to completion in your life. And, what, and, and so the weight of that kingdom versus the the kingdoms of this world and the powers of this age, that, that vision, that picture is, is a way of, of, of God saying to us tonight, I'm going to break apart the powers of this world in your life. I'm going to break them apart. The gospel is going to increase in your life, increase momentum, and it's going to break it apart. He's going to labor 
or he's labored, he's worked and his kingdom is going to advance until the power of this age has come to nothing. Until the powers that you might feel are holding you now have come to nothing. He's going to bring everything into subjection under his feet. He's going to do that right now, church. Listen, death and sin and hell, the very powers that couldn't hold Jesus in the grave now can't hold you. They can't hold you. They cannot hold you. You cannot be held by any power in this world. So whatever you're fighting tonight, know that there is a rock that wasn't cut out by human hands that is growing. The kingdom of God is advancing in you and through you. And it it has already broken at the cross of holding you. But in time, that victory will be seen. Be encouraged. They have no authority in your life. Think of the song. Rock of ages, cleft from me. Let me hide myself in thee. Wonderful, and the chorus, nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. God, help us tonight to simply cling to the cross. There's nothing to add. I've got nothing to add. Help me, Lord. Bible says in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, that there's an altar. And God says, use no hewn stone on the altar. In other words, don't let no human hand touch the altar. And then he goes on and he says, and don't climb up using steps or you'll expose yourself. In other words, what's God saying? Don't touch the work of the cross. Don't add to it with human strength. Don't add to it with your own strength, with your own ideas, with with mixing it with, with your own efforts. Don't do it. Don't try and ascend the hill. Don't try and reach it in your own strength. All it does is expose your weakness. Instead, realize that the altar, the rock, the cross, it's come to you. The love of God has come to you. There's an encounter for you and for me, church. There's an encounter. God is going to come and bring the reality of his kingdom into your life. He's going to bring the reality of the kingdom, the coming age into your life. You can be encouraged today that no matter what the, the, what, what the powers of this world are doing, the powers of the world to come are already at work in you and will break apart any and every structure, false God, false thing in your life. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Um, I'm definitely going to finish. I'm not doing a part four. <laughs> I'm going to finish. And so listen, I just pray, I just pray that so some, at some point somebody got something out of this tonight. So let's just pray. And Lord, I just thank you for your, your goodness, for your grace for your love, Lord. Um, I thank you for the power of the cross. I thank you, Lord, for the greatness of your gospel. I thank you, Lord, that there is a rock that we are on, Lord, and that rock is a, a, a it's, it's you. We're seated with you in heavenly places, and the reality of that exalted position you are making manifest in our lives. You are going to do it. There is no burden that you will not put beneath our feet, no enemy that you will not subject to the finished work of the cross. And I thank you, Lord, that that kingdom will fill the whole earth. It will fill the whole earth. Our lives, Lord, will manifest your glory. It is what you have promised us. So now at this point, I simply pray for those people listening. Lord God, show us your glory.
Show us your glory. Help us experience you. And in that experience, bring us into everything we've discussed tonight. You are good. You are good. And your mercies, your compassion endure forever. Thank you, Jesus. Bless the Lord tonight. Amen and amen. Thanks for tuning in with us today. I hope you were blessed. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website, www.corkchurch.com. Again, thanks for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.